to the Cock and Bull Podcast. Let's dust it all off. Let's get the kick the dust well, off. Well, let's yeah. dust it off again, because let's not be real. This is the second time we've dusted it off today. Yeah. Blow that yeah, extra I might dust have, off. I might have fucked up an episode we were going to do yes. as number 51. Yes. Uh, so instead, I'm going to do that. I'm saving that one for another set of ears. Uh-huh. But Nathan, Nathan today. Nathan caused us to be a month late, and Spencer has caused us to, to do a second recording after Nathan yelled for a long time. Yeah, so I've, I've already wasted Nathan's energy. No, 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 not wasted the energy, but but I'm fighting through. I'm fighting through the throat now. I'm fighting, and I hope you carry that fight into this into this topic of World War Two. We're back again. Oh, we're back. All right, all right. A, a common topic for us. It's a very common topic on this show, I especially mean, in the past like twenty episodes. It's rife. It's rife full of atrocities and funny, but, you know, this funny is chuckles. First- this is the first episode people have heard in like two months, so you know I think what better way to ease in than go to familiar territory? Yeah, I mean go to the thing that's constantly playing in the background of everyone's crazy uncle's house. Digby Tatham Warder was born in Atcham, Shropshire, England. Man, I was so proud of you in that last episode when you were nailing all those Japanese names, and then we I got know. back to. I think we've just. I think really your heritage is is Japanese because that was English. That was our native tongue, and and that was that was nothing. That was nonsense. Yeah, no, none of that was accurate. He was the second son of Henry de Grey Tatham Warder, a landowner with several estates in the southwest of England. So, so, so a douchebag. Yeah, douchebag, okay. rich cool. douchebag. Cool. cool, cool. Digby's father fought in the First World War and was gassed in the trenches, dying when Digby was eleven. So good news, the oh, douche died. Good, good news. We all right. So he obviously wasn't a good landowner because he didn't pay a peasant to go to the Great War for him. Yep, exactly. Well, maybe he was patriotic, or maybe he was unlucky, that, or stupid. I was Any about, one of the three. I, I was about to say, one of those is nonsense, and the other two are, while possible, not likely. <laughs> Digby was educated at Wellington College in Berkshire. Of course In 1935, did. he was accepted into the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst. Yeah, could they, why does everything in England need, like, eight names? Yeah. Shorten your yeah. names, people. It's, I, they don't know brevity. They, they really don't. don't. No brevity. Digby graduated from Sandhurst as an officer with the rank of second lieutenant on the 21st of January, 1936. I wrote the dates British style. He's fucking with me. <laughs> trying to get in character for this one? Trying to yeah, I guess. Digby? I'm trying to be... A- I want to be authentic. If I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong, I might as well get some things right. Also, can we focus on the fact that this guy's name absolutely sounds like a 1980s, like, two-bit cartoon character? Dig- yeah, yeah. He also kind of sounds like a spell. Sounds like like Digby's hand or something. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I think you're thinking of Bixby's hand, but yeah, I'm, I'm I in, might be. I'm, I'm also I'm also feeling it, but yeah, no. Digby is also a like a knockoff. Like he's not Pac-Man. He's not Qbert. He's Digby. <laughs> that the the unnamed generic game that your grandma gets you because it's for the Playboy game Tendo. <laughs> She likes it. He's, get, he's getting chased around by by what looks like Elmer Fudd with the Monopoly man's yes. attire on, and you're like, "What's happening here? What? How many? What? This is sweeps week. <laughs> How many IPs can we violate here? Come on!" So Digby graduated January twenty first, nineteen thirty seven, second lieutenant. Ooh! And he was commissioned into the British forces in India, where oh! cool things were happening. No, they weren't. Hey, we're just on War Crime City, aren't we? We're just, we've been yeah. taking a, a fun, jaunty tour of, of horrible, horrible imperialist war crimes these last couple episodes. You, 
Unfor we had to postpone the would-be episode 51 on imperialism, but don't worry, I'm gonna keep some of it here. Oh, yes. I gotta, I gotta keep a little bit. Yes, nothing says a good imperialism like pith helmets and horrible, horrible forced famines of the Indian people. Digby had his hobbies in India, including tiger hunting, pig sticking, and oppressing the natives. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, he hit the, he hit the, uh, good old bully trifecta. Yeah, pig sticking was one that I didn't make up. Uh, nor was tiger hunting. No, uh, well, no, all of the tiger hunting I got, and then when you said pig sticking, I just assumed it was something awful that you did to a pig. I, I, it sounds like he's recreationally finding nearby boars, stabbing them, and then saying, "Ah, good show," <laughs> just moving on. Like, yeah, it, that doesn't doesn't sound like you're hunting them. Doesn't sound like you're eating them. It sounds like you're just assaulting pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like like you catch and release with fish. This is just poking pigs for entertainment. <laughs> When the Second World War broke out, Digby was not initially sent to fight in Europe. Interesting. Did he have His to sister hold, Kit. He had to hold down the pig-sticking operation here in India? Yes, yeah, somebody had to stay and hold down the fort. His sister Kit served in the Western Desert Campaign and was awarded the French Croix de Guerre. Okay, uh, dude, I, dude, why? Why is it that you can nail Japanese and Northern European, but everything else sounds like a bag of marbles? Actual English I fucked up. I Actual English I couldn't get right. Yeah, it's Juan weird. Miguel. It's weird. No. All right. Oh, my God. Listen, just, I, I think uh, I'm a savant in some areas. Uh, it doesn't make any goddamn sense, and I love you for it. And horribly deficient in all others. While serving in the Hadfield Spears unit. So his sister got that French cro cross of war. Yeah. And upon, upon hearing his brother John's death at the Second Battle of... El Alamein in late 1942 with the second Dragoon Guards, the Queen's Bays. What the fuck? There's just so many things so in here. So many names. Why? <laughs> Let's condense. Let's condense. After his sister did a good thing and his brother died, Digby uh -oh. volunteered for the Airborne Forces and transferred to the Parachute Regiment. Ah, the RAF. Bah, the Royal Air Force. Yeah. Bah, see? St stiff, upper, stiff upper lips, soon stiff, to invent the radar. Stiff everything. Yeah, meh. He was appointed as the company commander of A Company for the 2nd Parachute Battalion, part of the 1st Parachute Brigade of the 1st Airborne Stop Division. It. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. He was a good parachute boy. He got in plane. He jumped out of plane. Great parachute boy. We like to call this the Layman's History Podcast, which Jesus. is why we're going to start cutting out all of these awful details. Unnecessary bullshit. He was stationed in Grantham, Lincolnshire for training. And his tiger hunting exploits were well known. Apparently, that made him super popular. Oh, that's Real? Digby, the tiger hunter. Oh, that's Digby, the endangered animal slaughterer. Hello, Digby. Well, you know Roosevelt was like, ah, I've heard you have a esteemed tiger hunter on your premise. May I meet him? Uh, yeah. Um, hold on a second. Now, when we say you, Spencer, we're gonna do one of these fun things where we talk about time and how it's a linear uh -huh. thing. When yeah. you're talking about Roosevelt, which Roosevelt were you talking about? I was thinking Teddy. You were thinking Teddy. Now, you do know Teddy was not on the scene in World War II, correct? No, but I believe there was an, a, a Roosevelt adjacent uh, yeah, who was a, a, plump I believe and a had a blunderbuss. I believe a distant, crippled cousin uh, was, was in charge of the show at that time. I think Teddy had, had rode off into that great national park in the sky. Or at the very least, was not cavorting with RAF guys talking about various tiger hunting exploits. 
I will entertain the thought that you are right. Okay. But I, I'm not sure, but I'm okay. not sure. Okay. I mean, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt did die January 6th, 1919. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he was very, very dead. You, you know, maybe I'm going to stick with my Roosevelt adjacent argument. There's okay. probably a Roosevelt cousin. I mean, there's absolutely. Franklin and him are related in some meaningful way. I just I Franklin's couldn't. not hunting shit, Nathan. The man's in a wheelchair. I mean, yeah, he had polio. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. And God bless him for it. His reputation was enhanced as he was able to obtain the use of an American Dakota airplane, which he used <laughs> to fly all of the company officers to London there to party at the Ritz. Is, there it is. There it is. This is a Digby kind of move. That's a Digby. That's a Digby right there, guys. Digby was just gathering up his buds in the in, in the camp, and he was like, hey, y'all want to just steal a plane and fly to London so we can so, party it at the Ritz? So so Digby was a uh, was a was an air a patriotic airman who was using his uh his military aircraft for for joyrides and gallivanting. So he was the John McCain of, of World War II England. Yes. Though you're going to find he was a far more practical John McCain. What you're saying is he didn't crash every plane he ever got in? Yes. Cool. <laughs> I'm gonna say he was a talented human being. Ha <laughs> Suck him. You wanna talk about it's just such a weird flex. It's such a weird Who's the guy on flight flight control to unidentified plane on the runway? What you doing, bud? <laughs> what you doing? What's going on down there? <laughs> Sorry, chap duty calls. Pip pip cheerio, London. Ha ha! I could cocaine, I believe. <laughs> Probably. Also, a wasn't company. it like where was he? So where was he? Was in he was in England at the time. It wasn't like he was flying like from France to England, like over the like bombarded channel to like try and <laughs> no, get, yeah. get, get some. Yeah, poo. he was in Lincolnshire. He was okay. in Lincolnshire. So, so, it's so like, really he was just, still in England. Yeah, so it's the equivalent of just like you know New York to Chicago. Right, right. Jaunt. All right. Is uh, 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 his A company was chosen by the battalion's commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel John Dutton Frost. <laughs> Lieutenant J- L- Lieutenant Bully, Captain Captain <laughs> Schmarcy. Yeah, Mister Handlebar Mustache, the sergeant. <laughs> uh, he led second. He he led uh the parachute battalion, uh, to the Battle of Arnhem. Okay. Uh, part of Operation Market Garden. Wow, we came up with really lame names. Because Digby's reputation of being an, an aggressive commander, he was like, we got to get this guy into battle. This guy's okay. good under pressure. I'm Let's th- fucking get him out there. Really? Really? Okay. So things I know about Digby up to this point. He's a rich boy. Uh, he liked hunting tigers and sticking pigs. Nothing would indicate to me up to this point that he is someone I want in a battle. Oh, but you've never seen him play bridge. <laughs> He's real <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> All right, all right, that wins, that wins. In, in preparation, Digby, concerned about the unreliability of radios, educated all of his troops on how to use bugle calls. That you had have been used got to, to be kidding hadn't, me. Hadn't been used since the Napoleonic Wars. Because, also, they're in planes! What are, what are you talking about? Like, are they taking the cockpit off and going... <laughs> they're, they're, I love this imagery, but they are going to the ground. No, that's right, they're parents! shooting so you're saying while they're like par- while they're all falling down like bah, 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 come on guys what the fuck why would you want to carry a bugle it's such an impractical thing to take you to ba- in oh. case in case radios fail you gotta have a backup and bugles are your backup I, smoke signals <laughs> how is a bugle also a bugle is like 
in what scenario are you going to be like, all right, I've got to I've got to talk to the commander over there. How will I do this without the enemy knowing where I am? Let's get a fucking <laughs> trumpet out. What? Like, come on. He also Digby also carried an umbrella with his field kit as a means of identification. Fuck off. Fuck off. This is the Mary Poppins of the RAF. Fuck this shit. As a means? Does he have a giant carpet bag with him as well? I, that would also help him stand out, but he had trouble remembering passwords, and so he felt that I'm just going to carry an umbrella. So I'm going to be the most me, flamboyant flyboy in the history of time. You all know me. <laughs> Hello, boys. Anybody that sees me goes, "Ah, oh, that's just fucking Digby. <laughs> that guy's not a spy." Wait, that wait, all of them parachuted out. Why is that guy just jumping out with a giant comical umbrella? He knows that will work. <laughs> why? Why is happening? A company were dropped away from the target of Arnhem Bridge and had to go through Arnhem where the streets were blocked by German forces. So Digby takes his men and they start just hopping through the gardens and backyards of these like neighborhoods trying to advance through the streets while also avoiding Germans so they could get into a good, you know, get into a good position. Okay. All right. So they're hopping fences. They're pulling some sandlot shit. They're, uh, they're sneaking through bushes. They traverse eight miles over seven hours while also taking 150 German prisoners. Holy shit! What the fuck? How are they pulling this off? All while doing, like, backyard baseball. Are like, they, like, distracting him with, the, like, is he, like, doing, like, a pretty girl, like, with the umbrella, like, hello? Yeah, and then, and then like, going, 20 Hans? of his dudes like, just bag him and hit him with soap. Also, how do, how many guys are in this company? Like, how many guys are we talking about here? That's I, that's a good question. I don't know if it's enough to move through the the backyards. I'm assuming it can't be. It can't be like any. I'm I don't assuming know. it's it can't less, be more than fifty dudes. It's got to be less than hundred and twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how the <laughs> fuck? What do they got? They got them all tied up and lassoed. What the fuck are they doing with these boys? <laughs> they've got they've got them all bound and gagged and just rolled together like hay bales. Wait, what are they, are they carry, all of them carrying like ten krauts on their back at a time over the hills? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> While also hopping fences. Imagine, they're probably, like, burying some of them in the gardens just up to the necks. I mean, at this point, can, why don't... Just kill them. What are you doing? It's valid. Just kill them. They're Nazis. It's the one time you could just kill them and no one will care. They're Nazis. So they're, they're dipping in and out of suburban streets. Just, I... Okay. I'm just imagining, how are you sneaking... Again, how do you sneak through anywhere with 125 angry Nazis tamed up behind you? Also... They all have bugles. <laughs> yes, everyone and every one of them is communicating via bugle. Like they're not slicing the pie and using hand signals. Like every time they want to make a turn, it's like B sharp coming out. Like what the fuck? During the battle, uh, Digby wore his red beret instead of a helmet and waved his umbrella while walking about the defenses, just walking the battlements despite heavy mortar fuck fire. He was just calmly no, walking this, around. This is not. No, this is not. This didn't actually happen. This is what happens when, like, someone... It's like he got extra skins. Like, it's like, all right, I've beaten the game, and now I'm going to buy the unlockables. What do I want? Ooh, I want the red beret and the flashy parasol and the tutu. I'm going to look so fierce when I go into battle, boys. Let's go. I'm going to deck I this out. It sounds like he got his reputation uh, of aggressiveness from improv theater because he's he's just very I mean, extra. Just, he got his thing from aggressiveness from just not giving from being the most flamboyant gentleman in the history of the army and not giving a fuck. Like I have, this man is officially becoming my spirit animal. I love him. 
You know, despite the the, the tiger killing and, and pig sticking. But well, <laughs> let's forget about that, okay? He's wearing a red, ber- he's wearing a little red beret, like raspberry beret, and he's got a parasol, and he's just floating his way through fucking Nazis. When the Germans started using tanks and uh, armored cars to cross the bridge, Digby decided to lead a bayonet charge against the enemy. What the fuck? That's a tank! You're charging a tank with a nut! You brought a knife to a tank fight! Don't worry, Nathan. He knows that this is a this is a tough fight, so he makes a wardrobe change. Watch the beret. Oh, Watch the beret. Takes the beret. Bowler hat. No! Fuck off! No! No! Bowler no, hat. No! Don't lie to me! Don't do this to I'm me not right lying. now, boy! I'm not he lying put to you. on a bow he put on a flashy bowler? Yeah, oh, yeah, he did. Does he still have the parasol? Yeah, he does. Oh my god. Oh my it's, god. It's Princess Peach with a bowler hat just charging this man. When and and we're talking about him carrying an umbrella and a bowler hat through battle. So you might be thinking of other fucking weirdos who had unconventional weapons. Like that dude on D-Day in Normandy who the came Scottish out guy, with the Scottish guy, the guy with the Highlander yeah. sword. Yeah. 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 Longbow, bagpipes, and a broadsword. Jack yeah. Churchill, that tell, guy. Tell me they teamed up for the best buddy comedy in all of World <laughs> War II. Unfortunately, the universe is not perfect enough for that. So these unique cases. Hold on, hold on. Like, hold on. TM, 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 TM. I'm making that movie. TM, TM. <laughs> That's that's your League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Seriously, oh my God! These these unique cases, though, these oddballs, they don't actually like get anything done, right? They're just weird, and they also happen to survive, right? Like who's no, the I unlucky think... motherfucker facing down a charging enemy, and you get your ass killed by a bow and arrow? Like it's not the American like... frontier. It's it's over. It's the modern it's era. It's gone. Like I'm just imagining now. Like I, I I'm just cutting two. So so picture it. You've all seen yeah. the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. It's that Tom mm-hmm. Hanks is on the beach and there's bombs going off everywhere. Vin Diesel's there for some reason. Brutal. Weird shit's happening. Things. And then wait, what's that? That's a man in a bowler hat and a parasol just charging across the field with some tanks. <laughs> what the? Fu- Literally, it would be like a like a Monty Python skit <laughs> happening in the background of a fucking war. Dig me. Um, disabled and armored car. How? With what? What? With his stunning look, with his fierce shade, I don't get it. With his umbrella. No. He Spencer? ran up. He ran up, vaulted onto the front of the car, Spencer? and stabbed it through the porthole, the viewing slit, and stabbed the driver in the fucking eye. <laughs> he is wielding a a sharpened parasol at this point. What is happening? What fever dream is of Zack Snyder's is this? <laughs> you want to talk about winning a war against all odds? It's because everyone in the fucking English, everyone on the British Empire heard tale of Digby. But no, seriously. The British are a bunch of fucking genocidal war-criming imperialist bastards, and this guy is single-handedly rehabbing their image for me. <laughs> Holy then shit! Digby noticed in this fight that the chaplain was pinned down by enemy fire. He's cowering behind brick as it's being blown apart by German bullets. And so Where Digby is your god now, chaplain? Says the man in the bowler hat and the umbrella. Digby saunters on over, just grabs him by the arm, just hooks his arm around him and says, Don't worry about the bullets, I've got an umbrella. And he just opens it up <laughs> as though he's sheltering him from the rain and proceeds to walk him through the fire. Oh my god. This can't have happened. This can... I know the concept of this podcast. Like, you're making... There's no reason to lie 
history has goofy enough stories. You, you don't have to make this up. <laughs> he then escorted the chaplain across the street under the umbrella. And when he returned to the front line, one of his fellow officers said, that damn thing isn't going to do you any good. To which Digby yet. replied, <laughs> to which Digby replied, my goodness, Pat, but what if it rains? <laughs> oh my God. Why I need okay. This is this is Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke is playing this man. Dick Van Dyke and his horrible Cockney <laughs> accent is is cast in this one. This is happening right now. Holy God! Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Shrapnel, shrapnel comes flying by Digby, and it it hits him. No, it doesn't. He gets injured. He gets injured. Bullshit! But it slashes him in such a way that it cuts open the rear of his trousers. No, no, no! What are you talking about? His so now ass he's is bare, hanging out now. He's got assless chaps, a bowler hat, and an umbrella in the middle of in the middle of a Nazi assault. Assless chaps, courtesy of German shrapnel, wielding an umbrella, bowler hat. He's he's clearly proved he's invulnerable. I mean, at this point, yeah, he put God mode on. He's just company, wanting it now. A company runs out of ammo. They still have an umbrella. They still have an umbrella. So despite the radios being as unreliable as Digby had, had always thought, um, he, he he uses the bugle calls for the rest of the ammo, um, for the rest of the ammo, for the rest of the fight. But the last message that comes through the radio is from Digby, and, it's, and Digby says, out of ammo, God save the king. And then they don't hear from Digby. Wait, hold on a second. Was there Kate? I thought, wasn't Elizabeth reigning during World War II? No, Elizabeth was a nurse during World War II. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. All right, King. You're telling me Digby died? Mm. Digby ended up getting captured, turns out. Oh, my God. So because of his injury, why? because of his his hilarious butt injury. Why? Why was The Great Escape not featuring Digby? Why was Digby not a part of that brilliant film? (laughs) You're ready for a great escape. Digby was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital but escaped out a window when his second-in-command, Captain Tony Frank, um, convinced the German nurses to just leave him alone for, like, ten minutes so they could have a brotherly chat, and then they just threw open the window and hopped out. Um, They created an escape compass from magnetized buttons on his uniform, and then they headed towards uh, Mariandel. An escape escape compass. Yeah, so they could find their way home. (laughs) Wouldn't, I mean, doesn't the sun, I mean, is the sun out? Valid. <laughs> it, no, it's England. The sun is not out. Oh, touche, touche. It is the Seattle of countries. Upon arriving to Mariandal, uh, they were hidden away by a Dutch woman who spoke no English before putting them in contact with her neighbor, who could speak English. The neighbor um, disguises them as painters and moves them <laughs> to, moves them to their neighbor Stop. Dirk's house. Stop it. They're, they're, they're moving them down the street one house at a time. They, they captured 125 Germans moving one house at a time, and they should be comfortable with it. Now, disguised as painters, uh, they make it to the local leader of Dutch resistance. Now, they meet with uh, a guy named Menno de Nui of the yeah. Dutch resistance. Come on. You can do Dutch. We know you can do Dutch. Nail this one. Land it. Menno de Nui of the Dutch resistance. And he gave them a bicycle. This is all he Stop could it! offer them. <laughs> all he could it! give them was a bike. A bowler hat, a parasol, and a jaunty bike! And Wildeboer uh, gives them a fake Dutch ID so they can go buy booze. 
<laughs> no, so they can just so they could pass. Uh, yeah. And specifically, he gives uh, Digby an ID to pass as the deaf mute son of a local lawyer. That's never gonna work. Digby can't keep his mouth shut. He's too charming. Thank you. That's what I said. So Digby used the bicycle to visit fellow soldiers in hiding, and the Germans did not recognize him despite him helping push the Nazi staff car out of a ditch and <laughs> German soldiers being just belayed in the same house that he was staying in. Like, I, he's fucking hanging out with Nazis nonstop, and they just don't recognize him. The, the bowler and the umbrella don't give it away? Because you know he can't part with them. You what know about, he's not taking them off. What about the bugle? His three cherished possessions and the the assless chaps he's refused to sew up. Fucking horcruxes over here. Jesus. Digby then gathered 150 escaped soldiers to head towards the front line. Uh, I I have no comment on this. On a bicycle. He's leading them on a bicycle. Yes. This is like that Macklemore music video for Thrift Shop. This is known as the Rogue Operation Pegasus. Now, why does that have a better name than any of the other operations we've had so far? Because it's rogue, and there's no there's no RAF to put it through. And Digby's in charge. You know, it checks out. Yeah. It checks out. Digby and the soldiers cycled to the Rhine, and Digby flashed a V for victory sign using Morse code with his torch. Members Not- of the Triple X Corps then ferried them across the river. Now, Now, the last time I mentioned Vin Diesel, it was in a momentary, like a... Uh, he's in Praying Saving Private Ryan. Why is Triple X showing up in this? <laughs> I need to know. I need to know why knockoff James Bond Vin Diesel Triple X is showing up in the middle of World War II. I can't give you the answers that you want. <laughs> Upon returning to the United Kingdom, Digby was awarded with the Distinguished Service Order. Well, yeah. Motherfucker made it out. Motherfucker made it out. Of course he did. He's fucking Digby. After the war ended, Digby later served in the British-controlled Palestine before being appointed uh, to the fifth. Yeah, before I, 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 like this dude is not cool. I mean, he's, no. he's half cool. Everything and half not that cool. doesn't involve him being in the middle of a Nazi battle with a parasol and a fucking assless chaps and a bugle and uh, and and everything else, just none of it. You're, and then he you're just, right. You're right. Like, he really does shine when he's next to the next most evil thing in the world, Nazis. But not even. Like, he was objectively jaunty and awesome during that time. And then everything... It's like he's, like, the like the yin and yang. Like, in order to be that awesome, you have to be objectively awful at everything else. So, uh, he goes to British-occupied Palestine, and then he gets appointed to the 5th King's African Rifles in British Kenya in Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, this is like near and around the Congo when uh, people were getting yeah, murdered over rubber yeah, slavery and stuff. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, imperialism sucks. Yeah, yeah. British imperialism is fucking awful. Imperialism of all kinds. No, I was about to say American imperialism is a special kind of awful too. Don't don't yeah, sell us short. We can't can't cast our specific stones. Well, uh, Digby buys two estates in Iburu and Nanyuki. So about six years later, in British occupied Kenya, even. African, you're nailing better than English. How is this possible? <laughs> what sort of weird brain damage do you have? <laughs> I have an aphasia somewhere. Apparently. <laughs> About six years later in British-occupied Kenya, the Mau Mau uprising happened. Are you familiar with that? Not even a little bit, but it sounds adorable. 
And it, yeah, it's it's not as uh, adorable as it sounds. Uh, indigenous people just tried to fight colonization, but oh, they were, well, then it's fucking badass and solidarity. I mean, go comrades. Being being occupied and being an indigenous, you know, tribe, they obviously didn't have the organizational capacity to fight against colonization. So ah, I would say yeah, organizational. Doesn't, doesn't, I would sure really pan out the, well. the lack of guns, probably. That too. That that too also. Uh, so during the Mau Mau uprising. Digby raised a volunteer mounted police force at his own expense and led them to battle against the Mau Mau. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. When you're leading a jaunty force against the Nazis, it's it's cool. When you're leading a jaunty force against colonized indigenous people, you're just an asshole. Yeah, I know. Yeah, kind of sucks. After that, he retired to uh, run his estates. He's done. He's done fighting. Now he's just going to run his estates. So he also created... Uh, this is where, again, this guy flip-flops from being monster to fucking Mary Poppins of World War II uh-huh. to black oppressor of yeah, Africa. Yeah, no, no, no. He, he, does, he has a weird turn in Act 2. Like, it's, well, I, want, when... I want different casting. Like, I want Jeremy Irons to play him in Act 3, and I want, like, I want whoever played <laughs> Malfoy to play him in young Act 1, and then I want just, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda jaunting around in, in Act 2 when he's fighting the Nazis. Like, I, I need different, I need, like, Dr. Parnassus Imaginarium level casting here he's so so remember when he was a tiger hunter i i do remember when he was a tiger hunter and a pig so so digby tatham warder invented the concept of the modern safari where animals are photographed instead of hunted see now i'm confused again now i'm conflicted again exactly it's like that's something i can really get behind it's only fair it's fair penance considering the fucker hunted tigers for fun but like It's my same problem with, let's get back to it, it's my problem with the Roosevelts. Fucking Teddy invented the national park system and is one of the reasons that we haven't rounded up and eaten all of the cool animals in America, but like... But was also a horrible, wild, racist, and an imperialist and kind of like, you know, caused some horrible atrocities. And also, I mean, but on, on specifically on the subject of animals, the dude could only come if he shot a panda bear in the face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, It's like, do I pat you on the back? What do I do? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So Digby dies in Nanyuki on the 21st of March, 1993. Finally, Nin- wait, his 19, work is done. 1993? 93. You were a lot. You were five years old when he died. This mother, this parasol wielding, bowler hat wearing motherfucker was jaunting around three years before Toy Story? Yep. God damn. I know. I know. God damn. <laughs> like... <laughs> All right, all right, Diggs. All right, Diggs. We need a new like, I we need a new documenting date system on this podcast of of pre Toy Story and post Toy Story. <laughs> Just no, that's that's absolutely it. That that is the only measure by which I measure things. We've established it's, this. I'm gonna say it's our best frame of reference. Tatham Warder served as the inspiration for the character of Major Harry Carlisle, who likewise carried an umbrella into battle in the 1977 film A Bridge Too Far. Dude ah. lived long enough to see a film with a character based on him. Uh, the role was played by Christopher Good. Uh, although oh. Tatham Warder survived the Second World War, Carlisle is depicted as being a casualty in the Battle of Arnhem. Aww. That yeah. seems unfair. I know. I know. So, this has been the Cock and Bull Podcast, weekly comedy <laughs> and history podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoy making ah, it. That, if you didn't enjoy this one, you have no soul. Exactly. We are back in the saddle Again, to quote, back in the saddle again. I don't know. I do that as Creed. I know it's Aerosmith, but that's I do it as Creed. Oh no, it's Creed. It's got Snap all day. 
All right, you can catch us every Wednesday, except for the ones that you can't. We'd like to thank Dribbles Pony Club for allowing us to use their song, There Were Buffalo on the Ark, off the album Cholera. Nathan, you got any plugs? Um, yeah, if you want to hear more about me uh, ranting about various atrocities in, uh, in a more productive context, uh, where I where we try and, you know, get the revolution started, uh, go head on over to Mark's Madness. Uh, it's a good time. We're, we uh, uh, Unlike this podcast, we didn't take a month off of that one. Uh, yeah, it, that's it's, true. It's just kept on chugging. It's kept on chugging because we recorded 85 of them in advance, and then I lost them all. Um, I was going to say, David Painter is a better uh, uh, whip driver than I am when it comes to making podcasts. So. Oh, yeah, no, no. He is, yeah, he, is, he is the slave driver that keeps us on pace. He also is close enough that I can record the same room with him, which, which alleviates yep. the issue we have. But nevertheless... I mean, that be, Nathan, if we could, we wouldn't. It's just weird when I can see you and we do this. Uh, yeah, we did it one time. It was it was uncomfortable. You're right. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was, was weird. uncomfortable. Anyway, anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Come on, call my name and make a wish and take a rest because it's the best thing to leave your lips. Is that your best? I'm not impressed.